0: morning. Glad to see all of you. I I don't know if anybody feels the same way as me. I'm kind of having, it's kind of one of those strange days where I think it's because we're uh, winding down a season that we've been in for a long time. I was sitting there on that front seat thinking about how that when Deb and I first came here, we had services at ten forty-five, and I remember some of you were around when we changed from from ten forty-five to ten. You remember that, and and uh, and sitting here today thinking about how that next week it'll be nine fifteen and eleven fifteen, and that this is kind of like the this is kind of like the end of the chapter in this book. And you say, well, what does that mean? Well, it, it, it's it's exciting, it's good, but it's different, isn't it? It's just different, and to think that. That uh, next week we'll we'll be going to two services for the first time in in the history of our church. Um, is an exciting thing. Our our sanctuary uh, has always been about the size that it is. Even when when the building burned, the other sanctuary was about the same size as this, and and so uh, we'd always been able to have our services just in one in one setting. And now we've grown to the place to where. That that's not going to be possible anymore, and uh, you look around the room here today and say, "Well, I still see a few empty seats, Pastor." Well, that's because it's the middle of July; it's not uh, it's not August and September. And over the next several weeks, you're going to see a lot of new faces, a lot of new people that are going to be coming in. And I want you to uh, help me, if you would, to to welcome them. And and they're coming into to new and to Different and to change, and all of us are going to be doing that together, aren't we? And so, uh, next, w- that's why we're going the first of August to the two services, so that we have about a month or so to adjust uh, before we before we really see the crowds coming. Uh, usually, there's a couple of the last couple of weeks of August are usually we see an influx of a lot of guests, and then all the way through September and October, uh, we see a lot of people that are that are coming to our church. And so, we want to use the month of August. To work out all the all the details and all the kinks and get everything going like it should, have everything hitting on all eight cylinders by the time we get to the first of September. So next week we are moving to the two services, and I've just I was just kind of sitting there, kind of mellow about that. I don't know why. I'm ex- really excited about going to two, but it's just anytime you're coming to the end of something, the start of something else, it was like uh, almost like when the building burned and we started in building a new building and here we are now. We're going into a new a new and exciting phase of growth in our church and I'm very, very uh, happy that you're on this journey with us and that you're a part of that. We're, we're in the book of Acts because we're finishing up a series today It's called Reach Chapter 2, and we're talking about Acts Chapter 2, and we've been doing so for the last five weeks. Uh, Today will be the the sixth message. And just a very quick review of what we've talked about, Uh, the first week we learned of the command. The command, this is all based on the early church and how they were operating, and we are... uh, we are, in, we are following their example. I don't want to say we're comparing ourselves to them, but we are following their example. And so we're seeing how we line up with the early church. And we've been doing this each week, making sure that we're where God wants us to be. And so we learned that first week about the command. The command is to go and share the gospel. Above all else, that is our, that is our commission, that we go and share the gospel. The second week, we talked about the commitment. And that was the church that they had the commitment to study the word and to pray. And many of you have been on this with us for the last five and six weeks in this prayer campaign, uh, just bathing where we're going in prayer, and I appreciate that. The third week, we talked about the confrontation, and that was that the church had a, had a duty to confront sin in love and to demand repentance. And so uh, the third week, we talked about the commonality. That was uh, what the church did to unite themselves and to sacrifice for the cause and then last week we talked about the consistency that they enjoyed, which was to present a purposeful and consistent witness to the world. And so now we're going to talk about this last one, which is the compensation. That's the payoff. That's the reward. That's the result of, of having done or doing all of these for a, uh, a long period of time. I believe that when we reach out the way that God intends us to, to reach, these are going to be the results just as they were in the early church. And so as I said, this is our final message on this series. I want you to look with me to Acts chapter 2, and we're looking at the last verse there, the second part of the last verse, because last week we talked about what we would call uh, 47A, today we're going to talk about 47B, and it says this in the contemporary English version, everyone liked them, and each day the Lord added to their group others who were being saved. Now, I want you to notice something with me about this before we go any further. This this group of believers had been busy doing the work of the church for quite some time now, right? And what have they been doing? Well, that's what we've been talking about these last five weeks. They had been busy sharing, studying, praying, living as good examples, sacrificing, giving, consistently loving their neighbors, attending corporate worship together, and they were now Now, because of that, they're they're making a true difference in their community, and they're starting to reach out further. Because of this consistent commitment, they're starting to see all of these results from their efforts. You know, I thought about that, and and I wrote in my notes a principle that I gave you uh, several, several months ago in a message uh, where I talked about the seed and how that the seed grows. And I, I gave you a principle from the Word that is this. A seed that is sown equals a seed that is grown. And what that means is you can't plant a seed according to the law of harvest and God's Word. You cannot plant a seed that will not grow. That, that, that's a good seed or a bad seed. And the, the, the Lord has constituted this physical earth in similar ways as in the Spirit. Things that happen in the physical realm happen in the spiritual realm and the law of the harvest works in both places when you plant a seed that seed will take will take root and grow if you plant a bad seed then you're going to receive something that you don't want am i correct if you plant a good seed you're going to get a good thing and so the wages of sin is death it's planting a bad seed the wage the the seed produces something that you don't want but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord we plant a good seed then we see a good Harvest. So a seed that is sown equals a seed that is grown. It's the law of the harvest. And so, what the point I'm making this morning is you cannot serve God without seeing a result. If you sow a seed into the fertile soil that God has presented for us, it will produce fruit. It just will and there's no way that we can get around that and I believe we're going to continue to see that more and more in greater ways. So, what did the reward look like? Because that's what they had come to. They had done all these five things and now today they were, in verse 47, they were receiving the compensation for having done all these things and planting these seeds. There's three results that are listed that become the compensation. I believe that these are, uh, prophetically, things that we can claim are going to happen as a result of this in our own church. And the first thing that the Scripture said happened there is that the church received favor favor the the, this 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 passage specifically says everyone liked them now Barnes commented on this sentence this way he said quote that is with the people generally. It doesn't mean that all the people had become reconciled to Christianity, but their humble and their serious and devoted lives won the favor of the great mass of the community. Clark says every honest, upright Jew would naturally esteem these for their simplicity and purity and charity of their lives. And what you need to understand at this point is that even though Christ had been crucified, the persecution of the early church hadn't started yet. Jesus has been crucified. The message is being preached. There's a lot of people that at that point in time weren't happy about what was going on, but they had not yet taken it so far as to begin to persecute the church. That would come later. So those of you that are reading this saying, well, everyone liked him. That's not true. They were under persecution. They're not yet. This is, this is during around the time of the day of Pentecost. And so what it means is even though not everyone was becoming not everyone was becoming Christians, and maybe not everyone even liked what they were about, no one could deny the goodness of this group of people. No one could deny the blessing that was on this group of people. And no one could refute the good things that happened around these people. Everyone liked them. They may not have wanted to serve the same God. They may not have wanted to do the same things, but they couldn't refute it, and everybody liked them, and they talked to them, and were like, you know what, I I may not like everything about them. I may not agree with everything about them, but I can't refute that there's something about them that I'm attracted to. People are attracted to the Spirit of Jesus. They can't help it. I'll tell you, there's been a lot of preachers over the years whose ministries have, have gone down the tubes in moral failure for that very reason. What? I'm telling you that the spirit of Jesus in you is attractive to people and they don't always know how to, what to do with that. And there's been a lot of preachers over the years that they got the big head because somebody started showing them some attention and they got to thinking, hey, I'm prettier than what I am. And all these women like me. It wasn't that at all. They was the same, the same, the still the same old ugly hilljack they'd been all along. But they got full of the Holy Ghost, and people became attracted to that and didn't know what to do with it. The anointing, the presence. Does this ever happen to you where people you, you'll go someplace, you'll meet somebody for the very first time, you stand around visiting them for a minute, and they'll say, Man, it, I just feel like I've known you a long time. W- 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 you look like somebody, and I can't. Does that ever happen to you? You know who you look like? I said, You know, I, I, I met a guy the other day, stood around visiting. He says, You look like somebody I know. And I said, Well, I, I, I get that a lot. I, I guess I have a familiar face. I said, You know, people tell me you look like this guy I met here. I said, This. this And uh, he said, yeah, I said, you know, there for a minute, I thought you were a cop. He said, I thought you were a cop that I remembered. Probably not in a good way. Because it was kind of a rough setting that I was in. So I started thinking on my feet, well, if I'm that cop, I'm about to take a whipping. Nah. I said, well, I'm a pastor. It's about the same thing. of close to the same thing. You love them and you hate them. People that are full of the Holy Spirit are attractive to the world. The world wants what's in them, what they're about. They don't understand or know how to put a thumb on it, but they want to get close to it. And some people, the only way they've ever been able to get close to anything was the wrong way. You hear what I'm saying? And so they pursue that. They don't know. They don't know how, and they pursue something. And so you have to be very careful and guard your heart. You're not here to take advantage of people. We're here to lead people to Christ. And he puts a spirit in us. He gives us a spirit. He gives us an ability to be attractive to the world. A a fragrance that God enjoys and that people recognize. Ugly people get pretty when they get filled with the Holy Spirit. These people were experiencing favor. Everybody liked them. They might not have even known why. Couldn't put a thumb on it, but all of a sudden... Somebody maybe they didn't like got saved, and all of a sudden they do like them. There's something about They've changed. I I like being around them. I'm convicted, but I like being around them. That's the other part of it. Some people want so badly to be close to that, yet when they're close to the Holy Spirit, they're too convicted to stay around that presence unless they repent. So some people don't want to repent, It's not worth it to them to be around the blessings of that. They they want to hang on to a sinful lifestyle. And so the only thing they know to do is holler, crucify him. Because he convicts me. Crucify her. Because she makes me feel bad about myself. It's crazy. They do such good things. But I just don't want to be around them because they make me feel bad about myself. But even in light of all that, there are 7 billion people on this planet, and I am convinced that billions, I didn't say millions, but billions of people on this planet desire to know the way, the truth, and the life, which is Jesus. They want to know what is the right way. They want to know what is truth. They want to have a good life. And none of those things can happen until they find Jesus. And so God gives the church favor so that those people can sidle up to us. So we can have a relationship with them, a right relationship where we love them and point them in the right direction. We're not trying to take advantage of them. We're leading them to a better life. We're leading them to Jesus. He gives us favor so we can lead them to himself. And I'm convinced that billions will do so if given the opportunity. Now, there'll be some millions that will cry, crucify him. But billions that would accept if they're given the opportunity to receive the same kind of peace and joy and favor and success that we enjoy. They want that worse than they want their sin by the majority. God gave the church the favor. I'm saying to you today that I want you to utilize the favor that surrounds your life. Will you do that? Think about that. Get that sentence in your mind for a minute. Utilize the favor that surrounds your life. Because if you're serving Christ, even if you're in the middle of a test or a trial right now, you're living a blessed life. Maybe you say, well, Pastor, right now we're struggling financially or we're struggling with this or we're struggling I'm telling you, maybe. You might be in a testing period, but stay faithful. It's, you're going to come through. It's going to be all right. You're doing the right thing by remaining a generous tithe. I keep doing that. You're going to come through this thing. It's just a test. But by and large, you are living the blessed life. Man, it's just easy to see. Take two people that are the same age. By the time they're 45, if one of them has lived for Jesus and the other one has lived for the devil, the one that's 45 will look about 38, and the one that's been living for the devil look like they're about 72. Don't they? Because the devil will just take and take and take and take, but God gives and gives and gives and gives. The blessed life. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Who wouldn't, if given the opportunity, presented to him the right way, wouldn't say, yeah, I'm going to choose that over that? Utilize the favor that surrounds your life and be a blessing to the unsaved. And more will choose to receive than choose to persecute, I promise you. Choose to be a blessing. You don't have to be so judgmental and unkind to people for their sin. Choose to be a blessing. Utilize the favor. It's good. You say amen, I'll go on to something else. If not, I'm going to stay right here for a long time. Utilize the favor that surrounds your life. All right. The second thing that happened was growth. There was favor, and then there was growth. This New Testament church had all its favor, and then they saw growth. The Scripture says that each day the Lord added to their group. Added means, you say, well, that makes sense. Well, just listen to this definition, though. Kept on adding. You say, well, I thought they just said that. No. Added daily. He kept on adding. I want to be a part of that church where he keeps on adding. Adding where that growth just keeps on coming. It doesn't have a period of time that they grow, and then they don't, and then they grow and then they don't. This church kept on growing. Not because of what they were doing, but because God was adding. Why does God add people to a church? Because he puts them where he wants them when he knows it's going to do them some good. There's a lot of great churches, and not everybody that comes here will stay here. As long as they end up where they're supposed to be, that's all right. I pray for every Bible-believing, Jesus-preaching church in this area that all of them will be packed out full, and every pastor will be blessed and their staff. I pray for everyone. We're not competing with anybody. I pray that every one of those churches, all the new ones coming in, that he'll fill them up. I want because I want everybody to get saved in Fayetteville, and Springdale, and all of Northwest Arkansas. So I'm praying for all these churches. We're not competing with any of them. But here's what I think is neat about this growth thing. God allowed the people of this church to be a part of what he was doing. He added them to the church, but he let the people be a part of it. Have you ever thought about that for yourself? That you, whomever you are in this room right now hearing this, You could be an instrument that God uses to do his work here on the earth. You could be a part of his eternal kingdom. If if you're looking for purpose, if you want to make your life count for something, if you want to leave this world better than you found it, if you want to leave behind some kind of a legacy that would make others proud, then go to work for Jesus. I know we're focused on trying to get good education so we can get good jobs, and you should. All that's great. Do all that. But that should not be the end of it. Your job is not the end. Your promotion there, your raises, they're not the end. None of those things are the end in themselves. What really matters is the treasure that you're laying up in heaven. All of this is going to burn and be destroyed, but someday you're going to go to heaven, and everything that you sent ahead is going to be waiting for you there. And when everything that can be burned is burned up, what's going to be standing is the things that you sent ahead. I don't need to be somebody here. I want to be somebody there. I don't need to be rich and famous and popular here. I need to be faithful here. I need to be obedient here. I need to be trustworthy here. I want to get there. There's what counts. Seventy years here doesn't matter. Seven billion years there does. I want to be responsible for souls that are in heaven. I I want to be rewarded by God for the efforts that that have eternal significance rather than trying to make my life be important here. That's why Jesus said, give up your life here. It doesn't matter. Give Give up your life. Die to his calling and be thankful for that every day for eternity. So God wants to add to the church and he's excited about doing that and he's excited about using you to do it. So get involved. You say, but Pastor, the thing that I do at the church isn't important. Even if I didn't, if I showed up, nobody—if I didn't show up, nobody would even know. Anybody could do the job I do here at the church. Let me say something to you. Let me tell you something, and I'm telling you this, and I mean this. You may be parking cars today and pastoring tomorrow. You may be holding the door today and smiling and greeting people and handing them a bulletin and thinking, this doesn't really matter. Oh, it matters. Even it matters a whole lot. But you may be doing that today. You may be out there serving coffee today. You might be out there working with little kids today, and and the little kids never tell you thank you. They don't know how. They're three years old. They just run around. You may be doing that today, and tomorrow you may be standing before God, and He may be giving you an awesome reward saying, Thank you for being faithful. You've been found faithful over a few things. Today I'm going to make you ruler over many. Anything you do for the Lord is important. Any sacrifice you make for God is noted. Some of these musicians and singers, they get up real early to come up here. Do it week after week after week. That's why they're excellent. What would it be like if they just showed up at church time? You've been to that church. Church starts at 10. A guitarist comes walking in at 10.05 carrying his case. Comes up on the front, plugs it in, starts tuning it. That's in the middle of the song. Singers are like, I can't take it. I just can't take it. Because what you're going to do, you're going to do with excellence. But these people, they come up here early so they don't have to do all that. They've been here for an hour, hour and a half every week before the rest of us get here. They've been on this stage. The The reason you feel that anointing that you feel during the worship time is not just because they're doing it then. It's because of what they did an hour before when they were praying and practicing and singing together. You think nobody notices what you're doing. Wherever it is you're working, wherever it is you're serving, nobody's noticing. You're teaching a class. You've got a connect group, and only four people are showing up. You're like, man, what am I, why am I doing this? I, I'm doing this group. sometime, nobody shows up. I'm making all this preparation. Well, who are you doing it for? From now on, I want you to change your mentality. Don't do it for the people in the group. Do it for Jesus. I'm preparing this room for Jesus. He'll be here today. I'm preparing this this living room for Jesus. He's coming in a little while. God wants you to be a part of the growth. Get on the front lines. Number three is salvation. He said others who were being saved. Some some passages put it this way. Such as should be saved. And we we always try to focus on the should. And I don't think that we're supposed to focus on the should. It's a term We say, well, you know, the scripture said that, that, that they were being saved such as should be. And that's true. They should be. Any growing church should be growing all the time. But that actual term there is basically saying that people were being added to the church. They were growing as they were. Really what it's saying is that they were. They were saved and being received as they were added. Does that make sense? It kind of takes it to another level. For instead of us saying, well, you know, they were growing like they should have been. It says, no, they were being saved and being received automatically. Listen to this. Here's how that goes. It doesn't say that they were being saved because they should have been. It's saying that they were being saved and immediately being received by the rest of the family. They weren't having to do anything else. Hear that? So there wasn't any of this, you get saved in our church. Maybe six or eight years from now, we'll let you do something. When you've proven to us that you're really saved. No. They got saved and they're in. Huh? I like that. I like that concept. They got saved and they're in. Well, Pastor, they're they are they they still sinning. Yeah, so are you. Well, Pastor, they, they still got they still got drug addictions and alcohol. And, yeah. Well, we can't we can't let them stand at the door if if, if they got a hangover. I'm not probably going to have them preach. But y'all think I have a hangover most of the time when I'm up here, and I don't. I'm not going to put them in leadership, but I would put them out in that parking lot with a smile on their face. I'll put them at the door. I'll put them at a kiosk. I'll put them in the seat. I'll put them all over the place. I've had people come to me before and say, they say, I saw one of your people down at such and such and they had the biggest old beer you've ever... I'll tell you, what's, what's, what's funny is this. What's funny is when I catch you and we end up at the same restaurant and y'all sitting around with that cerveza? You start talking about, oh, she likes margarita. It, 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 it's a virgin. She doesn't have any alcohol in it. Hey, I'm not Jesus. He's with me. just like he's with you. You should have felt the conviction before I got here <laughs> which you did but I but I'm just I, I'm just here to eat carne asada. I, I didn't come in here with a notepad. I think that people... Need, if they're going to be in leadership positions, then we have to we have to be mature. The Scripture teaches that that we are we are mature believers, and that God has delivered us from certain things and we're in, in that we should be we should be living above that place. I don't mean that judgmentally, but you have the right to expect your pastors to be trying to live a holy life. Amen. But let's not say to the person that got saved this morning that they've got to prove to us that they're never going to smoke another cigarette before we let them stand outside and greet people and help people and take the people to their classes. You know what? I've had people that have said, well, you can't let certain people become members because they've got sin in their life. I'm saying if Jesus lets them in the family, who are we not to let them in the church? So let me plug CR, because I love Celebrate Recovery. That's just a cool name, Celebrate Recovery. Come on now, you can get in there, come to the services, come to the small groups, work on those things that the Holy Spirit's work on, working on you about. I'm going to tell you, I I would have a problem. I would have a problem with the pastor who came to church every week, half lit. Wouldn't you? But I think that when we're talking about people that are coming in, who is the best one to build a church? Somebody that's excited about what Jesus has done. If it's been 25 years since God delivered you from drugs, you got a good testimony, but you're not all that excited anymore. But the guy that just got off last week, he's out there telling everybody, come see a man that told me everything. How many people did the woman bring to church the week when Jesus said, Hey, you had five husbands. The one you're living with right now is not your husband. She said, Oh my land, you gotta be a prophet. He said, Well, I'm, you know, I'm more than what you think. She runs back home, says, Come and see this guy. He's a prophet. He's the one, he's the Messiah. He told me everything. And pretty soon the whole town come and got saved. Why? They weren't following her the day before. They're not following her but she had a testimony that was legit and real. She knew a lot of people in that town and probably not in a good way. But when she went out and used her influence to tell people about Jesus, she built the church a whole lot more that day than a lot of the Pharisees did who was standing around down in the synagogue reading the scriptures to one another, beating on their breast and saying, I'm glad I'm not like them. Ooh. Some folk will probably never come back. They'll be like, well, I got to go to a this church ain't saved enough for me. I need a self-righteous church. I need a judgmental church. This ain't the one. You can tell by the way we talk, ain't. In the early church, when they received Jesus, it included them. They were in the family. They didn't have to do anything else. I love that. Perfection was not required for salvation, or no one would be saved. We wouldn't have a pastor at this church. I wouldn't qualify. We wouldn't have any deacons at this church. I know our deacons, I know our staff pastors. Out of all of them, Angie'd be the only one that'd be able to be on staff. We wouldn't have a pastor, we wouldn't have a deacon, wouldn't have a teacher, we wouldn't have a leader. If you had to be perfect to go to this church, we wouldn't have anybody sitting in these seats today. The only thing that I'm going to leave this earth with is a forgiven, broken, and repentant spirit. And when I get to heaven, the only thing I have to present there. In order for them to let me in is gonna be grace and salvation. I'm not gonna walk up and them say, Oh, yeah, now that here this one's a good one, this one's a good one. I'm gonna walk up and they're gonna be like, hey, D, stand right here, man. We're gonna read the book. We're not sure. Is anybody else like that? And they're gonna come reading through there, and grace and salvation. They're going to read down and there's going to be my name, and they're going to be like, "Well, it's not because of your merit, fell." And I'll be like, "I know. Well, it's not because of anything you did. I know. We'll come on in because your name is in this book." Jesus saves, and He delivers, and He sets people free, and He gets them free from bondage, and He gives them a good life. He gives. He can take people that are all kind of a mess and turn them into something productive and happy. And as long as we don't get Too judgmental from that, we can be beneficial to this earth. God uses broken, messed up people. They're the most effective. The deepest ones are the ones that have been through it. They're the ones that have experienced life and they've been through the up and down and the hardships and the tragedies and the trials. They're the ones God can use. Don't let the devil silence you because of your past. Throw your salvation back in his face. The blood of Jesus washes away our sin and makes us acceptable to God. You'll never feel good enough to work for Jesus. You'll never be good enough to work for God. If you're sitting here today saying, one of these days when I get my life straight, I'm going to work for Jesus, you will never do it. What do I do then, pastor? Come on anyway. Can you see Jesus walking along the the water? He's going to pick disciples today. He's going to pick people that we're going to later on read about and respect. And they weren't respected so much in their day. Hey, Pete, you won the cussing championship last week. Come on, you get with me. Don't raise your hand. Anybody in here cuss? Some of y'all struggle when you're talking to me. I can, I, when we're talking and we're having a conversation and you you having to stop and pick your adjectives. Because your adjectives are different on Sunday than they are on Monday through Friday. So you act like you got a stuttering problem while you're trying to think of a real word. Hmm. Use your Humanity. Use your imperfection to your advantage. Use your life story to win people to Jesus. Don't let the devil silence you because of your past. I'm going to tell you something. Every new convert that's headed this way, they're not even here yet. Every new convert that's headed this way, we're going to disciple them and put them to work. They're the best ones for it. We don't, we, we don't, we don't need... God to send us the disgruntled believers from other churches to stand around for the first 15 minutes when you meet them and tell you how bad their last pastor was. We don't need them. What we need is folks that are out there in a bar last night. They're going to come in here next week and get saved. Their life's going to get turned around and be so fired up and then we're going to take them and we're going to disciple them in love and guess what? Put them to work and they're going to build a church. Life is all about new babies. B- new babies are fun. They're painful, aren't they? They're fun. It's fun. You can't have life without babies, can you? But let's think about that for a minute. They keep you up all night, crying, they stink. As soon as you put on your church shirt, they puke on it. They Poop on themselves. They do. But we can't have life without them. We love babies. We're like, hey, that's all right. That's what they do to their babies. We're going to change them. We're going to change them. So the power of the Holy Spirit is going to change the lives of these people that God is sending this way i got to wrap this up. Can we just agree to do something? Let's kick out the devil's teeth. Can Can we just decide to do that? Can we just decide to get an army up and just start kicking out his teeth? Let's never be. I'm so thankful. I heard somebody say it the other day. He said, I love this church because it's not a judgmental church. We love this church because everybody here is just real. Let's keep it that way, shall we? Let's be that place where real people come with real problems. And there's real people here to love them that are not so removed from our past and our sins that we can't still be a blessing to someone. The compensation is this. We're going to be given favor. We're going to see amazing growth. And we're going to be instrumental in seeing salvation come to many people. That's what happened in the early church. Jump in. Don't wait. Don't let somebody else have all the fun. Decide you're going to be a part of it. What do I need to do? I told you last week, same thing. Run out of here, sign up, to get involved, become a, become a volunteer. We need you. We're going to two services. We need double help. Run out of here and sign up for a connect group. I heard a lot of people got in the lines last week. I think a lot of people got in the lines, took a look, and still hadn't made up their minds yet. That's okay. Go out there today and sign on the dotted line. All of you that are in a group, you say, I'm already in a group. I don't need to sign up. Sign up in a group. Why? Because when people see the names in a group, then they'll sign up too. Nobody that's new wants to sign up, They only be the only one in a new group. So if you're going to go to a group, go out there and sign up so that other people, when they see it, they'll say, oh, yeah, there's three or four people already in there. I can do this. Amen? So sign up for those groups. Get in those connect groups. Sign up to volunteer. There's still some of these cards left from last week. There's still some of those cards. We don't need these cards. These cards won't do me any good. 3,000 of these cards, they're not going to do me any good. What, do you want me to, what, what are you going to do with them? Here's what i do with them. i tell you to do the same thing I used to t- tell my youth group when I was a youth pastor. I had my kids taking these cards to school with them. i tell the boys, i say, throw them in the urinals. Throw them on the floor right below the toilets. That's nasty. Why would you do that? Because people see them. They're doing me a whole lot more good in a bathroom stall than they are in my office in a Band-Aid. You Pastor, you're weird. I'm telling you. You say, well, I, I don't feel comfortable with talking to people and hand them a card. Well, don't. But every time you go to the restaurant, leave it on the table. Along with a good tip. Somebody say amen. Because it won't do you no good if you don't leave a tip and leave a card. Now they know what church you go to, you cheapo. <laughs> so you take that card and you leave it at the restaurant. And you leave a good tip and you smile and you tell them, thanks, come and see us at Trinity. Everywhere you go, take that card. Pass it out at work. Pass it out at school. I'm not asking you to get up and preach a gospel message. Some people think if they make a commitment to take these cards, they got to get up and witness. And witnessing scares them to death. You know what witnessing is? It's living a godly life in front of folks, and when you get a chance, tell them about it. It's not about taking a card and saying, hey, let me force myself on you. My name is Darren. I'd like to take the next 30, 45 minutes of your life to tell you about Jesus. I know that you're busy, but I don't care. I have a card I'm going to force feed you. I'm going to put it in your pocket if you don't take it. I'm going to pray for you because you're going to hell. I'm saying take this card and just divvy them out. Pass them out. Throw them out there. Get them out there. Get them in the circulation. Can you do that? Well, thank you. I know one of you can. Yes, I can do this. Next week, don't forget, come at 10 o'clock. You know what would happen if you come at 10 o'clock? You'd be right at the end of a really cool service. And you'll have to wait for the next one. Then you'll be mad. You'll be like, man. Help put the word out. Why are we trying to make more room? Why are we trying to reach more people? Why are we doing this? Because I want everybody to go to heaven. I can't. Fathom the thought of anybody going to hell. Do you think heaven is real? How many of y'all think heaven is real? Do you think hell is real? Guys, if we're right about one, we're right about the other. They both exist. Heaven is an awesome, awesome place, and hell is a terrible, terrible, terrible place that we don't want anybody to go. So we're going to open up more and more places and more and more situations for people to come to know Christ. And we're going to do our best to disciple you so that you can feel like you're prepared to breach those people for Jesus. How many are going to get with us on this? Are you excited? You know, we did that poll last week where that we asked what service you were going to come to. And it was surprising to me. The majority of people are coming to the 9:15 service, which is awesome because the 11:15 is the one that we think that the new people are going to come to, and that was the one that we were trying to open up. We were trying to set the time so that we were afraid if everybody went to the second service and we had an early service with nobody at it, that guests would come to the second one and then we'd have this jam-packed building like we have right now and three or four people early in an early service. And so we tried to set a time to to break that, and it worked. And so the majority of you have said you're going to come at 9.15. And, and I was, I, I got to tell you, I was so, I was shocked. I was literally shocked by the stack of cards of people that said they were going to come to both. I was shocked by it because it said to me you've bought into the vision. That, that you have bought in and that you're ready to sacrifice for the vision. Because I know it's going to be a sacrifice. Coming to two services, same song, same message. Doing that every week. I understand that. I'm not asking you to do it for a long period of time. But I am asking you to do it for a few months to help seed that second service because it's going to grow. So I want to end our time together in prayer. I'm going to ask the Lord if he'll meet with us for just a couple of minutes here in this prayer time. First of all, Lord, I want to ask you to give us favor like you gave your New Testament church. Give us favor. Whether the world likes us or dislikes us, I pray that we will have your favor, your, your, your scent upon us. The attractiveness of your Holy Ghost in our life. So that the world will know where to come when they're ready to get their life straight. Let us be beacons of your hope and your light. Give us your favor. Put your favor upon these people, Lord. They don't have to be perfect to have your favor. They don't have to have been serving you for 25 years. They don't even have to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, though we're praying for that for them, God. All they have to do is have a relationship with you and they can have your favor. Let your favor be upon your church and let them be excited about the favor. Number two, God, growth. Let the growth happen because these people are growing in you And they are ignoring the lies of the enemy. And they're working in spite of their sin. In spite of their downfalls. I don't want anybody in this room, Lord, to leave here thinking they're not good enough to serve. They're not good enough to work. You're calling us. Those that you call, you're equipping. We don't have to be perfect. From glory to glory, you're changing us. Every day, you're transforming us more into the image of your son. We're not, any of us, perfect. If we were, we'd already be gone. We're at different stages, but I pray for every person that not one person would walk away from here thinking, I'm not good enough to serve. We're going to grow. We're going to grow, and then as we grow, we're going to bring others to you, and our church is going to grow. Just like the New Testament church, I pray for salvation. God, That throngs of people will come. Lord, you gave us a number of 300 people this year. That are coming. They're headed this way. 300 people are headed this way. Many of them are new converts. We're going to have a lot of babies to take care of, Lord. We have got to be ready. We've got to be prepared. You're calling and commissioning us to be a part. Not to come and sit. Not to come and watch. But each of us, Lord, you're commissioning us to be a part of what this looks like. Greeters, ushers volunteers working with technology and musicians and singers, people greeting at the doors and helping take care of people in the parking lot and hosting and working at kiosks and teaching children and facilitating connect groups. There's so many ways to be involved here, Lord. I ask you, help us to realize that we can be a part of salvation coming to people and now all across this room I'm not asking you to respond to any one of these three I know that all three of these are for everybody here but if you just want to stand for a moment in the presence of the Lord for no other reason it's kind of different you're not standing for anything other than you just want to stand in the presence of the Lord and lift your hands and bless Him. Then stand with me right now all over this room. Just say, I just want to stand in His presence and I just want to bless the Lord. I just, I just, I can't leave here without, without sensing His presence and His nearness again. Now, God, all over this room, look at the desire. Look at the hunger in the hearts of your people. You said those that hunger and thirst be filled. Fill us today with your spirit, your overcoming spirit, and your power to be victorious more than conquerors. Fill us, God, with your power. Look at all these people, Lord. Look at all these people. Look at the sincerity in their heart, the genuineness in their spirit. Jesus can I say something to you without you thinking I'm weird I know this could be generic it could be a lot of people but specifically the one I'm talking to you'll know you've been afraid because of the pain that's in your right knee you're afraid that it's arthritic but it's not And God is going to heal it and that's all he just he you've been afraid whoever you were you've been really afraid and God just told me to tell you stop being afraid. Also, a young man here today, and I know who you are. God has said that today He wants to deliver you from that addiction. You said, All right, then tell Him to tell me exactly what it is. Okay, it's meth. There you go. And God says that if. if you'll be brave enough to come today, he's going to break those chains. Don't wait, though. Come on, very quickly. I know who you are. I could, I could come and get you, but I'm not going to. And I don't even know your name. I'm telling you, I don't even know your name, but I know who you are. Come on. Come very quickly. I know who you are. Otherwise, it'll destroy you. It's destroying your relationship right now. It's destroying your relationship, and it's 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 hindering so much with the you and the person that you love. It's destroying that relationship. But God said He wants to set you free today. He said, "But I don't want anybody to know that's what's going on with me. Well, it's 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 in, it's going to be in your past. It's going to be an awesome testimony to the world. God's going to set you free. But you have to do. You have to come because." I'm not coming after you he didn't tell me to you have to come but i promise you won't be by yourself when you get here there's going to be people here with you don't wait don't wait church pray for him pray for him because it's really hard it's really hard he's about to he's, he's battling right now he's battling he's battling demons right now they've controlled his money and has controlled his life Who will come and pray with him. Yes. Who wants to be set free today? Is there somebody here that doesn't know Jesus? you really want to how you desire to have a relationship with a real God who could change your life don't come if you're not ready to commit your heart to Christ but if you are if you really want your life to change then I want you to come and Jesus is going to save you today and people are going to pray for you come on whoever you are Today's your day it's your birthday Jesus wants to save you As soon as you get down here i promise there'll be people that are going to come and pray with you you won't be by yourself you want to receive jesus today come on god is going to build his church one of the things he's going to build it on is signs and wonders signs and wonders are to the unbelievers shows the proof in the existence of God that they can't refute things supernaturally happen that people can't they can't scientifically explain has a profound effect upon us the Holy Spirit is going to continue to show up in this place in supernatural ways y'all are going to see healings and miracles people being set free marriages put back together That's why his church is going to grow because the world needs healing. This is going to be a place where God meets with those people because you're inviting him, because you're worshiping him, because you're allowing him to use you. All over this room, can we turn this just into a sanctuary of prayer for a few minutes? You know... I don't know what time it is and some people may need to go and if you if you have to go if you have to go then you can go please be quiet as you do we love you we appreciate you if you need to go go ahead but all the rest of you that can why don't we wait on the lord a minute see what he's going to do I have a feeling that I just have a feeling that the holy spirit has something else for somebody here today and I'm not going to I'm not going to hurry this so if you want to, would you just come out and maybe, Neil, you'd lead us in a worship course and y'all just come and fill these altars and pray around this building, all around the aisles, wherever the Lord is leading you. power of the Holy Spirit is in this room.